0: It would be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies, as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get in. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 28 of The Hamlet, I'm Ben Sibley.
0: I'm Hugh Greenhouse and we're back in action. It's been a while, but we're ready and raring to go. Yeah, nice to have so many people ask us on the terraces when was the next episode coming out, so... Here it is. You know, we like to build a bit of anticipation, but uh, we're back and we've got a lot to talk about, haven't we?
1: Yeah, and uh, just in time for East way Away this afternoon... Um, So we're going to begin with uh, a chat with Sean Dooley and Neil Cole, of the uh, Dalich Hamlet 12th man. After that we'll move on to uh, some chat about hashtag Tophons, which has generated an awful lot of conversation this week online. We'll go through some of the best bits from the online chat and the actual experience. That will lead us into a bit of a chat about the Guise game and the FA Trophy. Uh, We'll move on to the Tombridge game at the beginning of the month, Enfield at home. And then uh, any other business, as they say, in uh, professional workplaces. And uh, we'll finish with a preview of this, uh, this afternoon's game uh, in Essex at East Thurrock. First off, here's our chat with Sean Dooley and Neil Cole, Dulwich Hamlet 12th man. Mr. Sean Dooley, the, uh, the 12th man was your idea. Good afternoon, yes.
2: Uh, without name dropping, it's something that I got from uh, Wildstone, really. They had a, a centre forward called Richard Jolly, and basically they got a big group of supporters to put in a small amount of money each a week, which basically covered his wages. And if we didn't have a a supporter base like we did, even at the time, you know, it's a reasonable supporter base. What, it wouldn't. What
1: would year it, was it? It was set up?
2: 2012. was 2012, yeah. 2012. Yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't have been something to push forward, but with, with the with the support on the rise, no one noticed our takeoff. Just something to try a hand at, yeah. and obviously something like that you don't really want to be riding solo. Yeah. So obviously that's where you need to get other people in, involved in it. But yeah, you know most of the, most of the people were posit- positive positive to, towards it starting off, and at worst it could fail. At, at least you tried then and. You know, it just lucky enough at, at the time for us. I think all the supporters understood that what was going off, off off the field, away from the field, had nothing to do with the the people that were involved in the actual football side. So, you know, lucky enough from the early days, quite a few people got involved in it, and you know, it pretty much hit the ground running.
1: So, you think it brings the fans closer to the actual club in a way?
2: Definitely. You know the f- the first couple of signings that were made you-, you could feel people around the terraces, sort of their passion yep. you know that that extra sort of little go on when someone's going forward with the ball because you know you've paid a bit of their wage yeah. Yeah.
3: and See, it-, it certainly helps when your first signing's Danny Carr as well so that- that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's not a bad well way to sign like, to start <laughs> off, not at all not so, at explain all. the Danny Carr transfer then. so Basically, we'd started the scheme and uh, contributions were were pretty good, um, not not spectacular, but we were taking a decent amount in. And we'd said to Gavin, "We'll sort of save it up until we need it." And uh, Gavin had found this lad, Danny Carr, who had just been released by Reading, um, which was uh, doubly relevant for me because I used to be a Reading fan back in the uh, back in the old days. But Reading had released him, and he was from South London, so he started playing for Dulwich. Um, played. I think in his first three, four games as a non-contract player so just literally paid as he turned up and I think he scored four or five goals in his first few games Gavin saw the potential and basically came to us and said look he's agreed to put pen to paper actually sign a contract with us for a fairly nominal amount it was a, a, a relatively small amount especially by today's standards like can 12 man cover it and we were like absolutely makes perfect sense so he signed the contract with us played out the rest of the season scored what was it, 28 goals something like that in you know? 2012, 13? Yeah, yeah. yeah championship yeah. season yeah, yeah. Championship yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he's a finished top scorer so certainly was banging him in every week and that was when you could tell the fans really connected with the 12th man scheme because they knew that they were responsible by just chucking a few coins in the bucket for having this lad on on contract with dudage hamlet and at the end of the season when he got his move to huddersfield the club benefited financially from that obviously with a, a deal that i think it's worth up to fifty thousand over the years if he obviously if he goes on to, to bigger and better things so that was a, a massive win for us and, and for the club as well yeah yeah definitely and
2: obviously, you know, you talk about the pluses. Towards the end of the season, Phil got injured, didn't he? And um, we brought in... Uh, Chico. Chico. Chico, Chico Ramos. Ramos. Yeah. And yeah. um, again, well, what another great signing. But it helps when you've got players that come coming at people, persons as well. And he he loves the banter and he, he yeah. bounced off of people around him. And he, I think he loved his time at the club. And I think, to an extent, it probably helped his performances. Yeah. He probably went out of a glow each day when he went out to play and you know the rest is history a couple of penalty saves yep. some outstanding performances and
3: people forget as well because obviously things have moved on and the <coughs> club's obviously grown and we've got a couple relatively decent big squad these days in in those days we just had the players that turned up and started each week we didn't really have a squad so when Phil did his shoulder in three months before the end of a hopefully championship winning season we could have been in real trouble we didn't have a reserve goalie we didn't have anyone that could replace him so again that's where the 12th man really came into its own because actually we've got this pot of extra money that we can go out and get someone at short notice again Gavin knew Chico he knew the guys Where where did he come from uh, Wolf, was it Waltham that he came from Waltham Forest yeah at Waltham the time. Forest yeah. Yeah. so you need the guys there managed to sign him at short notice he came over to us and played an absolute blinder and uh, ended up being in the championship winning team
1: and so how does the process of giving money to the 12th man work how do you take donations is it just standing by turnstiles during match days or? well it's
3: two things really it started like Sean said it started as a can everyone make a small contribution direct from their account so we were looking for like a pound a week standing order thinking that most people wouldn't miss a pound a week you can just uh, set, it, set it up that's actually how I got involved Sean sort of didn't appeal <coughs> does anyone know anything about setting up bank accounts and standing orders yeah. I actually to sheepishly put my hand up and said, so I might have some experience <laughs> so I set the account up and people were donating that way but we found that actually a lot of people don't want to commit to something when it's a, a regular amount even a pound a week it's uh, kind of a big commitment to actually fill out the forms, send it off to your bank etc so we got the uh, the bucket out at a home game yeah and actually yeah. found that was massively successful so every home game since basically we've been stood there we don't wave the bucket in people's faces it's not a big sort of guilt thing that you must contribute no. to this but people that want to can just chuck a few coins in whenever they whenever they uh a feeling like it but i think um, one of the one of the good things that has
2: happened is barriers need to be broken down and people have this stigma that when something like this is set up, they have to put loads of money into it, they don't you know, we we do try and speak to people when they're coming past and say look don't worry, if 100 people put 10p in, it adds up your 10p might seem small to you but when it's put together with 200 other people's 10p, it's a lot of money it mounts up, and a month two months goes past and it does it accumulates, and that is all you need you don't need people to try and commit to massive amounts
3: of money not at all one of the funniest things about this season has been the amount of people that have actually donated their entire shrapnel collection to the 12th man they've been coming in with massive envelopes full of ones twos and five speeds almost apologetic about it as like sorry but seriously it all it's all so valuable it doesn't matter and we can we can get it all changed and get it all banked and it becomes as as good as anything else so it's
0: uh, that's been that's been really welcome so now in its fourth year we've touched yep. upon uh, Danny Carr already Yep. who have been the greatest hits for the 12th man um,
3: so yeah def- definitely Danny Carr I'd say um, Fraser Short last season Fraser Short he was so yeah, great and <laughs> that was Gavin sort of Doing something that he hadn't done before. So previously, we've been saving the money until the end of the season for a promotion push. But last year, I think, it was the year that really Gavin set about, right, we need to build a title winning team here. So, literally, from pretty much day one of the season, uh, well, he originally brought in Marlon Patterson, didn't he? And that yes. lasted a, a few weeks and yeah. swiftly replaced by Fraser Shaw. And Fraser came in and was so good, he ended up staying the rest of the season and yeah. getting a move to, to Leighton Orient uh, back to, into pro football.
1: For, for those who don't know, where did he come from, Fraser Shaw?
3: Uh, he was Arsenal Academy, wasn't he? Yeah, he he had was, was Arsenal Academy, that he worked through the,
2: what he reached uh, the end of academy age. He was released by Arsenal, and uh, actually one of our <laughs> ex-managers, Craig Edwards, took him on board down at uh, Billericay. Yeah. But he wasn't enjoying it down there, and uh, they mu- mutually agreed to part company. And that's when uh, Gavin stepped in and snapped him up. Nice playing in League Two with Leighton Orient. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So
1: Usually started by the twelfth man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. and do the players sort of know that the 12th man's involved behind the scenes
3: well when uh, Ryan Moss obviously was the latest 12th man signing so we're only we're contributing to, to Ryan when, uh, Ryan's uh, wages when he, he signed from Margate and I think his first game when he was substituted he was warming up down in front of the, uh, the 12th man stand so we, we offered him a bag of coppers and said you realise this is what your wages is going to be mate so, so yeah I think he realised <laughs> he, got, he got the joke yeah. which was a good That's thing That's so what pays
1: so. for the uh, smooth clothes that he always wears <laughs> Yeah, exactly. nice yeah. shoes so Ryan Moss is another and Reese Merrill-Williams Yes, yeah.
3: been a massive success this season. Yeah. Originally a short-term loan, again a bit of a. Um, we, we had a bit of an injury crisis earlier in the season. Can we bring someone in? He came in, and was so successful, and was again knowing it was fan-funded was a massive fans' favourite from day one, really. And some yeah, of some of, those, some of those goals he scored, fantastic. So the fact that we were then able to uh, sort of talk him into maybe shunning a few clubs at higher level and actually putting pen to paper again to, to stay with us for the season, it was another big win for, for the club and for, and for the 12th
0: man. So we've seen the numbers at Champion Hill growing in the, over the past few months this season. Is that making a difference to the uh, to the coffers? I think the the
3: Reece signing and the Ryan Moss signing definitely got a new wave of interest in the twelfth man. Because I think previously. I must admit it's the, the risk now is that we get a bit lost on match day because there's so much going on, there's so many people around that sometimes people don't see our stand and don't realise that we're there and actually, believe it or not, takings in the bucket have been down uh, over the last sort of six, seven months compared to where they were in the early days um, but thankfully I think we've got a bit of renewed momentum now with, it, with the signing and people are seeing the difference that it makes on the pitch and hopefully that will, uh, that will continue.
1: How about some of the slight misses we might have had over the last couple of years? <laughs> You've got to make mistakes, you learn from them. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, now we have
2: to mention names. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think. Uh, we don't have to. Yannick and Lati enamoured himself yeah. with the uh, the support, but you know, at the end of the day, he's coming. But that's a negative. But he's coming and done a job. Yeah. Someone has to fill that space <laughs> of the number one shirt. We had no one else. He came in and he's done a job. He may. He may not have performed to where we'd like him to, but you know hey ho these things happen yeah. you know early days that, that first year when we set it up Jack Rose came in I think he made one substitute appearance but it's part of being that squad you know they was there if needed it's not always about being on the pitch for 90 minutes and being you know the star player to so, you know even some of the negatives we we
3: can half fill our glass with them it wasn't totally negative they no they played their part to an extent and it gives you a bit of an insight into how things work at non-league level as well and actually it can be a little bit ruthless the way players come and go very very quickly Absolutely, and yeah. I think one of the most interesting ones was uh, start of last season when we signed Laurent Hamici who had been at Dulwich before actually but we basically yeah. brought him back as a striker because he was short striking options and I think his final game for us he played in the home game against Margate where he scored a last minute winner in the 93rd minute that winner Everyone was worth mental. him yeah. signing yeah. <laughs> and, and he was released pretty much the following day wasn't he or well, was, certainly later that week <coughs> And it was one of those where actually Gavin had found someone that was a better long-term option. But actually for that short-term four or five games he played, just that, that impact, where yeah. the scoring the uh, 93rd-minute yeah. winner against yeah. Margate, was, was phenomenal and like I say, worth every penny that we, uh, we contributed.
1: And are the funds solely set aside for transfers and wages? It doesn't go towards anything else? No, nothing
3: at all. One of the big things
2: that we stipulated to ensure people feel safe, the money that we collect... Off of our support base, it, when we say it goes directly to the playing budget, it does because it leaves our hands and it's personally handed to Gavin. So there's no intermediary that can, you know, jump on board and be uh, taking money away. That that will never happen. And and along the way, people tried to do that. Yep. You know, when the club was in dire straits, the the previous owners came to us and asked for a loan. and could you imagine if we gave fans, money. fans hard-earned money over to pay off a debt that should never have been there? Not at all. So no, it, everyone can feel safe that it's in good hands and it goes directly to the uh, playing budget.
1: Why do you think more clubs haven't set up a, a service like this?
3: Well, it's interesting the number that are trying now, actually, because we've been we're contacted <laughs> regularly through Twitter and other channels by other non-league clubs that have said you've raised over £25,000 in three and a half, four years. Like, How have you done it? How can we follow suit? And I think other clubs are thinking about it, but you do need a very positive, growing fan base to really embrace it. And you also need a level of commitment from the people that are organising it to actually set it up in a robust way as well so that people know it's it's kind of the money is going to be used for the right way. So I think it can be copied, and I'm sure other teams will, and absolutely that would be great for non-league football. But so far I'm not aware of any others that have really made it successful. No, not at
2: all without dropping a hint surely the the simplest way for it to succeed if you're a fan owned club yep. because it's your money going to you to, to support your club but like Neil said many others have tried to set it up I don't know some of them you know I've looked online to read through what they've stipulated when they've set things up and I can I can see why it don't work but nice. you know it's there for everyone you know everyone's got to have a try that's what it's all about you know you're supporting the, the first thing's budget when, when money's to it. no one no one no one from day one t- said this is going to be a success but like Neil said you know it's the way it's set up the way it's run people need to see a certain level of honesty before they want to commit any money which is why probably near the start some people would look and think I'll see how it goes before I put any money into it and you, c- you could see that with some people which I don't blame them
1: not at all and Sean you've been coming to Dunwich for how long? Be honest. Nineteen twenties was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First game was uh
2: early November eighty-three. Eighty three. Yeah.
1: And
2: you were how old? Five? About five. Well then yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, put a one on front on the front of that.
1: Can you believe what's <laughs> happened over the last five, six years? Of course not, no,
2: not at all. You know, e- even back then we, we had one of the, the greatest ever grounds that non league football's seen. It was never supported on the terraces, you know? Even, even if, I, if you caught up with people of my age, you, you'd probably find thousands over their lifetime that have come to Dulwich Hamlet, but not on a regular basis. And, you know, over the years, the average attendance has been, you know, fairly low, which was always put down to us being uh, an inner London club, which is difficult to uh, maintain. Between yeah. Palace and. Millwall. Yeah, f- fair yeah. enough. There's a couple of good years where attendance rose up, pushing, the average was pushing towards 500 for one or two years, but no, I, I'd never envisage it getting to the level it's at now, but you know, you, you've got to live that dream and but try and make everyone feel the love to come back again the next week.
1: So Sean and Neil there, waxing lyrical about the 12th man, and of course, uh, Sean Dooley, most famous for being uh, one Edgar Kale on Twitter. And two, uh, coming out with a couple of expletives uh, away at Hendon uh, last summer, which was turned into a vine by a Dulwich Hamlet fan, which is uh, something along the lines of have that you something.
0: Slightly more mellow there, and it was an enjoyable chat. Yeah, really interesting. Um, I learnt quite a bit more about the 12th man. Um, and yeah, just hearing, hearing the achievements of the, the, the players they've been able to sign from, uh, from the funding. Um, you know they've got a great track record, haven't they? Really. And the thing that
1: the most important thing that stood out was the money goes into their bucket, and then it goes straight to Gavin Rose. So there's no other like Sean or, or Neil said. It, there's no other. There's no one else involved. So it's there's no chance of it going anywhere else. The previous owners asked for a donation, which blows my mind. Um, yeah, outrageous. Um, and you know, the fact that it is such a simple process and it's so easy to get the money from A to B is, is crucial, do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised here that other clubs have been in touch, um, because we've really pulled it off very well and uh credit to uh credit to the twelfth twelfth man there really.
1: And uh the, as they just mentioned, the two players that signed this season, Reese Murray Williamson and Ryan Moss, both made blinding starts to their Dulwich careers, Reece's last-minute winner at home to Biliriki, the 20-yard curler. And then uh, Ryan Moss has... We had posted this on Twitter the other week. He's quietly made a very strong start. He's got seven goals in 11 starts, I think. And uh, he seems to be getting in those positions where perhaps Dulwich players weren't in the past couple of years, You know, on the end of crosses in the six-yard box. Like he, on his debut at Bognor, or it might have been his second game, winning off his knee, I think, um, on a low cross... So uh, it's, you know, to have this system of donations set up and f- for it to influence the team and the club so positively is is brilliant. But we, s- we spoke to Sean and, and Neil before the Geyser game, mm-hmm. which was last Saturday, a week ago. And uh, the Geyser game was the first game where the... I, I don't want to... I don't want to call it the core of the rabble, but I suppose the the main singers, well, let's put it this way, Rob was involved, Rob, Robert Vaughan, Trevor Bastard on Twitter, and uh, he was credited early on for bringing a lot of crowds down to Dulwich, he even screamed at someone once, in the early days, I'll have this club in Vice in three years or four years. He wasn't wrong. I think he, had, he did it in three or four years. So Rob was involved, there were a couple of others involved. Dulwich uh, fan Michael Shaw was involved. And it's people like Michael who've moved up into the stands recently because it's just too busy behind the goal and the singers get spread out. That's the main issue. The singers get spread out, so there's different po- pockets of singing happening and it doesn't really work anymore. If the, if the, main, if the main point of singing is to influence the, the game on the pitch and to give something to the players and you can't hear the, the crowd singing anymore then something needed to be done. And after the, the previous game at home to Enfield, we were singing for the whole game. And at the end, a fan came down and said, you know, one of my mates came down and said, he, he was stood by the side of the pitch for the whole game. And he said, were you guys singing? The atmosphere was crap. And I could barely speak because my voice was so hoarse. And I just thought, there's something got to be done here. And it led to, I think it was Stephen Desmond's Desi. Uh, what, also one of the guys who's always singing has been around the club for the last three or four years um, he's got a favourite giraffe which he brings to games uh, he came up with um, a hashtag which was Toffons which is toilets opposite for future of noisy supporters um, so to- very catchy yeah so the toilets opposite stand is the stand opposite the to Tommy Jover stand um, on the left hand side of the ground if you're looking towards the Greendale end idea, I'm not entirely sure whose it was, a couple of people have claimed it, it doesn't really matter, but the the idea came about because the atmosphere was suffering because the crowds were so big. Um, So we all congregated underneath Toffons about quarter past two after we had that chat with with Sean and Neil. And uh, what did you think
0: of it? I was happy just to sort of go with the flow and if people were going to be congregating under that stand then I was all for it. And I had a great time. I think it was absolutely one of the best games I've been to since I've started supporting Deluxe Hamlet. And that good. Like, when you consider that's probably like between 50 and 100 games, I like absolutely hands down like one of the funnest experiences I've had just because I was surrounded by people that. I've always seen the same faces over the, over these last few years, and it really felt like a, an atmosphere was bubbling up underneath that stand. And I know we've done it a couple of times before, where maybe we would start there on kickoff, applaud the players on, chant a bit, and then wander around to our normal position behind the goal. It was great just sort of staying here and actually being able to see the game. We felt like we were creating a lot of noise. Maybe sounds like it wasn't too much of a difference, but I think the fact that it was all coordinated and sort of speaks for itself. When at the end of the game, Danny led the players over to the toilets opposite stand because that's where the noise was coming from, Um, and I think the players really responded to it as well. It was it was a great game, that Geisley game, really competitive against the team playing in the Conference National, Um, a very strong physical team as well, and. You know, we probably deserve to get a replay out of it, given how well we played, I thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the week following the game, online, on um, on, urban internet, on the Urban Internet Forum, which a lot of Dulwich Hamlet fans use just to discuss things uh, related to the club, there's pages and pages. I mean, there's, these pages aren't small. There's four, at least four pages... Half of it's people whinging and moaning that there's been, there's been something lost by not being behind the goal, that the noise wasn't any better. Um, just negative comments and negative comments and people whinging and moaning, which I just find incredible. Like it kept, the whole point of it, as I've mentioned, was to try and improve things because we felt like we weren't... The people at the main core who sing, I'm part of that group, you're part of that group, there's probably another 10 or 12 others who will start songs and really go for it and try and keep it going for the whole game. And it was that core group of people who, who realised that the singing wasn't that good anymore. And so we decided to do something positive and move it and try and improve, improve it for the players. Now, if I go through things chronologically on that day, I got, so did you, we got to the stand at about quarter past two. People were putting up banners um, and just that general feeling as the ground was filling up, the players were warming up on the pitch. A couple of fans came up to me and we were jumping up and down with excitement. A four, you know, a 40-year-old mate came up to me and was jumping up and down with excitement because it felt different because we were underneath the roof. It was a great vibe and it just felt like something mm. was, was really happening and something big was going to happen and it was just different. And it gave people a just renewed energy that might have been lost by going standing behind the goals every game. In the first half, maybe it was, wasn't too bad, but in the second half, just standing there, not being able to see anything, being packed in like sardines, and just not having the camaraderie that there's been in the last couple of seasons. And, you know, as I said, if we, if we go through it chron- chronologically, people were coming up to me saying how excited they were. Then you look on the pitch, and in the warm-up before the game, Junior Caddy brought the first team over, to warm up in front of us. And you could see it on their faces. Like, Nairo and Clunis miscontrolled a couple of balls because we were there. We were singing already from about half past two onwards. They were getting into it. Danny was snapping into tackles. And I've no doubt that them warming up in front of us had a big effect on them. They would have gone back into that dressing room before coming back out for kickoff, Really, really pumped up. Absolutely pumped up.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, it's, as you, as you touched on, there's something about... The atmosphere of a football match, a live football match, it's infectious. And when you're with a crowd that like wants to, you know, get behind their team and chant and cheer them on, like it, it really does sort of carry you away. And I think someone asked me later that day, "Oh, you at Donitch game? How did they get on?" I nearly said, "Oh, we won," because I felt like I had such a good day and the experience of being like back together with everyone, like really carrying the team was so powerful that I kind of felt like we had one and obviously we did get knocked out of the FA Trophy, it would be nice if we got through to the next round but you know I felt like we definitely did recapture something and it's a nice problem to have isn't it? You know, oh we've got these massive crowds now, what do we do? It's a fantastic problem to have Um, but there was a solution suggested and certainly by speaking to everyone who was there seemed to have a great time ourselves included
1: yeah and a point I did want to make actually is people who are whinging and moaning that it didn't sound great or the singing wasn't as good or whatever why don't you start a song it's not like you can't join in you can't get behind the goal and start singing like whatever, just get involved but for people to try and do something positive and then for people to just whinge and moan about it It's just not helpful. Mm. And I also wanted to make a point as well about the amount of goalkeepers we've seen at Champion Hill over the last couple of seasons have one of the best games of their season. And, you know, we bait the goalkeeper. G-Man used to bait the goalkeeper so much. Rob used to properly go for him. Everyone used to get involved. And I can't remember many occasions where it's properly affected them negatively. I can't remember too many howlers. I can't remember any spilled crosses or shots. There's been more games where the keeper has pulled off save after save after amazing save and we've not scored. And I have to admit, if I was goalkeeper, it would pump me up. I wouldn't I wouldn't hear any of it. I'd just hear noise and think, right, I'm going to have a good game now.
0: Yeah, I think there's nothing that will spur you on than like some snide comments behind your back, really. I mean, I think it it generally is kind of something you might as well do, like get on the keepers back a bit, um, you know, jangle your keys, whatever, anything to sort of distract them a little bit. But I think you're right. The, the keepers who've had bad games against us are just bad keepers.
1: And uh, I think Top One's is here to stay. I think we'll be back to the toilet's opposite stand for the next home game, um, which is Harrow Borough a week today. Um, yeah, if you haven't, Come and sit underneath towards Opposite Stand. If you weren't with us last weekend, then come along and see what it's about. Get involved with the singing. If you haven't done before, come and introduce yourself. Somebody mentioned also online this week that it's getting a bit cliquey. I don't think it is. I just think we're welcoming to new people coming in to that particular group that sing a lot of songs and are a bit more boisterous and shouty. But we're still welcoming. Like, come along and get involved. It's not like we're going to say, no, you can't. It's exactly the same when I first started going, I was welcomed into that group of people because I wanted to sing songs. So i just come along, get involved and uh, just experience a home game at Dulwich perhaps differently to how you have before. But as you mentioned, the actual game, lost 2-1 to Guisele, who are struggling in the conference, but still a conference side. Um, And as with a lot of teams that we play in the leagues above us, our players are relatively the same on the same skill levels, but it's just the physicality. Like their team was huge. I mean, I think almost I think every player was six foot or over. Mm. Um, and the opening goal was just a moment of quality from a player who I only found out after the game. Um, what was his name? Was it Hurst? Hurst James Hurst. Yeah. Maybe so, yeah. he's online from Torquay and had been the the conference top scorer, and then got involved in an altercation on a night out and they got rid of him and sent him out on loan because the manager wasn't happy with him. So it's not that like he's not getting a game. Talky nightlife, eh? Renowned for its nightlife, or for being able to get in trouble easily. But that first goal, the ball dropped to him outside the box and he whipped it into the bottom corner past yeah, Phil Wilson. Yeah, really nice like goal, was, well taken. Yeah, like it was nothing. And in that first half, we looked a bit overawed until Mitchell Nelson, a quick word on Mitchell Nelson, uh, rose like a salmon and headed home his third goal in three games just before the break. And, uh, he's been quickly becoming a a bit of a cult hero, certainly among the fan base. I imagine he might be a bit of a hero in the dressing room as well. He seems like a, an, uh, an interesting chap.
0: Yeah, definitely. He's, um, got a great dress sense as well, as we see after games, looking very smart and he, um, he seemed to be one of the ones who was enjoying it the most when we were, we were chanting his name before the game as he was warming up. He obviously wrote his own chant, um, which is brilliant. Um, but Yeah, I, um, I was quite happy actually when Geisley came out of the hat for this, for this game because I, I was a student in Leeds for three years and during one of my more quiet moments, I went to watch uh, Geisley play Histon. Uh, this was still in the Conference North days and um you know it was a nice club it, you know didn't didn't blow me away the experience but you know i thought oh here's here's a nice team um in a nice little pocket of leeds and you know i always kind of wanted them to do well and get into the conference so yeah it was nice to uh nice to have that on a personal level and we were joined actually in the toilets opposite sam in the second half by three Geisley fans one dressed as a lion yeah. One dressed as a penguin. Yeah. One dressed as a... Chicken. Chicken. Yeah. Um, and they would refer to each other as lion, chicken, making uh, the most, penguin. Making the most of a bigger way down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they were probably a lot more bewildered than we were to see people, three people in uh, animal outfits. but um, They were great crack. Yeah, they were good fun and they really seemed to enjoy it and... It was uh, a nice chance to to meet some fans and play a club who Dulwich may never play. Well, never say never, but we're not likely to play a team of their level in too much of a hurry, especially from a different region.
1: Yeah, and it was a a shame because... Mitchell Nelson's goal pulled pulled the goal back, so before it was it was two one, it was 2-0 and then he pulled pulled one back, so it was two one going into the break. But that that second guy's goal was uh, I think it might have been a botched clearance, and then it kind of it was a bit of scrappy play, and then it was hit from near the edge of the box, and it deflected over Phil's out outstretched hand. But then for for the last twenty minutes or half an hour, we really went for them, and almost with the last kick of the game, we hit the bar. And then the ball came back out to the six-yard box and it was headed back towards the goal line, it was headed off the line. We really had their backs to the wall for the last period of the game. Um, and it was a very impressive performance. Um, unfortunately, as you, as you all know, we've been knocked out, but it was uh, great to have a, a little cup run. Great to have a cup run last after Christmas, for one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm all right in saying we're still in one more cup competition, the London, London. Senior, Senior Cup. That very cup. Um, so the double is on.
1: That's against London Bari or uh, someone. I can't remember who. It's not AFC Wimbledon. Is yeah, it? I think you're right. Yeah. Bit of a mismatch there. It's like Essex Senior League against League Two.
0: Yeah. I think um, these professional teams who are in it tend to play a, a youth team Development as team, yeah. we probably will or have been. Um, yeah, it's been a busy month on the
1: pitch uh, coming up next we'll round up the Enfield game the week before and then also we'll have a little bit on the Tombridge game at the beginning of the month
0: How was the Enfield game
1: then? The uh, well, final score was Dulwich having it to Enfield 0. Um. Scoreline probably doesn't do Enfield justice at all, actually. Um, they're always a really strong team, Enfield. They've started off quite slowly this season after what was a very strange end to last season with the playoff, um, debacle. Um, their manager's own admission in the press various occasions this season has been that they've they've suffered a hangover. And they've only re- recently picked up form, or before they visited Champion Hill, they picked up form. I think they won six and seven. Um, and a lot of that was down to the influence of a certain ex-Dulic Hamlet, number nine, Harry Othaway. Uh, he returned to Champion Hill for the first time in this game. He led the line up front. He was number 10. And uh, as he did many times for Dulwich, he led the line with aplomb, with physicality, with a certain swagger. And... With fantastic hair.
0: He is the archetypal swaggering dandy, really, isn't he?
1: Absolutely. Um, in the warm-up before the game, I was uh, dumbfounded when I saw him in his training gear and his flat cap. <laughs> so the whole squad was out there. Strong. You know how they do, walking around the pitch, having a look, taking in the uh, fresh air, and he was there with the flat cap on. Stood out like a sore thumb, brilliantly. And uh, he said hello to everyone throughout the day, he said hello to old friends, not just in the management team at Dulwich and players, but people in the crowd, uh, fans, he picked out and said hello to them. Um, and it was an absolute pleasure to have him back. And we spoke to some Enfield fans, um, myself and Jack Bagnell, after the game and, and brought Harry up. You'll hear this in a, in a forthcoming episode. And uh, they said that he's revolutionised revolutionized the way they, they play. He's given them a focal point up front. He scored almost 10 goals this season for them, which is a solid return for a player who's missed so much football over the last couple of years. Um, And during the game, he was a danger as well throughout. Um, Left foot, right foot, got in a couple of headers. Um, He hammered a left foot half volley just past Phil Wilson's left-hand post. Um, Someone made a comment, I think it might have been uh, Duncan Hart, the uh, chairman of the uh, Supporters' Trust, uh, he said that um, Sir Harry led the line wonderfully and yet didn't get on the score sheet surprise surprise or something like that which may statistically probably be accurate and true but he was a he really was a dangerous game and Enfield were very strong um, and the 2 result as I said doesn't do Enfield justice um, we managed to, to grab um, a goal I can't remember what Time it was, or who it was, because I paid more attention in the second half when we were coming under a lot of pressure and we were waiting for Dutch to buckle. Because um, there's it, been a lot of times at Cheltenham where they do buckle when they're one 0 up and they're under a lot of pressure. But we didn't. And we scored again on the break. B McDonald uh, with some fancy footwork on the counter attack had his shot saved and Reece Mira Williamson buried a uh, or bundled in a, a second goal. I should say um, and it was a very solid win. Um, but that's enough of me talking about a game which you didn't see <laughs> we were both at
0: Tombridge Here we were yeah got um, a wet Tonbridge, I seem to remember it's fucking soaking yeah drenched
1: <laughs> sopping wet
0: uh, yeah I say that again uh, but we brought a rather large contingent down didn't we about um, 250 people then. to the uh, to the site of our last game of, of last season um the season proper, I should say, um, and uh, yeah, this is a bit of a bit of a funny one. Um, played fairly well, I thought, um, and quite unlucky to concede a, a very late equaliser. Because um, this has been quite a handy one to win.
1: The first half, we were absolutely dominated. I thought. I mean, they had. We couldn't keep the ball. They had chance after chance. a shot cleared, cleared off the line. There was um, a disallowed goal, which shouldn't have been disallowed from what I remember. They gave offside for a player who was um, pouncing on a rebound, I think. He wasn't offside. Um, and the, the conditions were incredibly tricky. Mm. I mean, it was one of those textbook January pitches in the Ryman Premier League, which was very, very hard to play football on. Um, and I, I couldn't believe when we went into half time at 0 0. That was a blessing, that was.
0: Yeah. Who got our goal? Mitchell Nelson. Who else? Header
1: from a corner. That's strange, actually, because he headed it down and it kind of bounced quite a way out from the goal and yet it bounced and then didn't come back up. It just kind of trickled along the floor into the back of the net. I think it confused the goalkeeper just because it kind of hit the ground and laid low because of the the sodden turf. Um, and I have to admit I can't remember the last time I celebrated a goal that hard that was amazing because we were all soaking wet Tomridge were on a hell of a run they had a couple of games in hand but were I think just a point behind us maybe even level on points and uh, as you've said we took a lot of people with us the atmosphere was fantastic Um, and then uh, we conceded that um, goal from a free kick 90th minute, they swung in a a free kick and he kind of glanced it past Phil into the bottom corner. And then we still had chances after that. Um, I think Reese went through on the left wing and hammered a shot towards goal, which the keeper with one of the worst, if not the worst, haircuts I've ever seen in my life. Um, That's bad. That's rich coming from someone who indulges in some bizarre hairstyles. (laughs) he tipped it around the post and uh, it was a valuable point though absolutely as you said um, but we've touched on on the, how good the atmosphere was and that had a direct influence also on again what we've already talked about on, on tough ons because it was so good because there was a roof
0: and it's uh, one of the best grounds in the league don't you think? Yeah I really enjoy going there um, we've got Probably the biggest Wetherspoons I've ever been to as well. It's like a
1: warehouse. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was going to go aircraft hangar, but... Yeah. 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 You could probably fit a sizeable plane inside the Wetherspoons in Tunbridge. Um, And we did enjoy a few drinks afterwards, it being the last night before school. Absolutely.
1: Okay, moving swiftly on, we've got uh, quite a few bits of news that um, various people have asked us to cover. Thank you for getting in touch. Um, First on the list is from Jack Spearman, who's been heavily involved in um, the efforts to help out the refugees who are still... um, not trapped, that's the wrong word, who who are still involved in the the refugee camp over in uh, in France, um, specifically in Dunkirk. Uh, He's given us a bit of an update uh, for you all. Um, He's just asked us to mention that um, this weekend there is a group of people from the Dulwich to Dunkirk group, well, you might have seen them on Twitter, I think you can give them a search on Twitter, it's Dulwich to Dunkirk, um, there's a group of them, um, attempting to feed everyone in the camp, um, this weekend with over 3,000 meals, um, and there's been over 3,000 bananas taken over as well to help feed the refugees. Um, I've also bought lots of uh, goods for a kitchen in Calais, um, a kitchen called Sofini's Kitchen, I hope I've pronounced that right. It feeds as many Calais residents as possible, Calais refugees as possible. It's the group's, Douglas Dunkirk, it's their fifth trip out there. Um, they're still planning to do more as well in the future. Um, And what else has he mentioned here? We had some refugees who came to the game away against Grey's Athletic. Um, That was the slightly bad-tempered game when Damien Scannell scored a last-minute winner. Um, The refugees attended that game, absolutely loved it, and they plan to come again. Jack's also got a call for help here. Um, Local storage, unfortunately, um, they're struggling for storage. Uh, they initially used a, a couple of areas at Champion Hill which are very grateful for um, but they need somewhere else now to store um, supplies and donations so if anyone can get in touch with them and has storage locally in either East Dulwich or Peckham or anywhere in the area of Camberwell please do get in touch with Dulwich to Dunkirk or get in touch with us and we'll get you in touch with, with Jack or, or anybody else. Um, also, if anybody else has a van and would like to go over with the group every so often to help out, also get in touch with either Jack or us or Dolish to Dunkirk, um, as it means more and more aid goes to refugees um, as much as possible. We'll also be speaking to another member of the group, uh, Nisha Jam- Damji, um, in a future episode with a more in-depth chat about everything that's happened um, and all the all the amazingly good work that they've been doing
0: yeah it really is amazing work so credit Um, to the the club
1: yeah absolutely fantastic effort Um, and Dulwich have done quite a lot on that as well we had the Refugees Welcome game um, and the big donations as well before Christmas so a fantastic effort from everyone involved Um, what else I'm looking down a a long list of requests here for us to cover Um, what have we got We've got a request from second time we mentioned him, chairman of the Supporters Trust, uh Duncan Hart, to mention the calendar, the DHST Dutch
0: Hamlet calendar. Have you got one, Hugo? I don't have one yet. I don't have one yet either. So if you're wondering what to get us for Easter? Yeah. Or Valentine's Day. Yeah. Then get calendars for you and yours.
1: He's mentioned what an inspired choice Mitchell Nelson was for January on the calendar after his three goals in three games. Yeah, great work, Duncan. The official Dulwich Hamlet photographer, Duncan Palmer, uh, known on Twitter as Cyclodunk and known at Dulwich Hamlet as the official Dulwich Hamlet photographer has asked us to cover the mega container which is the replacement for the mega shed now I don't know too much about this all I know is that the container has been delivered I think I don't want to get us into any trouble but I'm sure it's been part funded by Hadley and maybe a couple other people but I don't actually know so I'm not going to say but the container is at the ground Mm -hmm. and work is being done to kit it out so it can become the new official Supporters Trust
0: Shop. That's right, isn't it? Supporters yeah, Trust Shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Substantially bigger than the Mega Shed, mm. which is remarkable.
1: Mm. The, the queues at the Mega Shed in the last couple of months have been outrageous. Yeah. So there's, the demand is there for all these new scarfs, a couple of designs of mugs, tote bags. There's a, a very fashionable messenger bag, like like those Dunlop ones you see the kids wearing. Very stylish. So that will all be included in the new mega container. Um, Keith has asked us to mention the apparent uh, noise created by some drums, as quoted on the East Dulwich Forum. Someone was complaining the other week that we had too many drums, when we've never played any drums, apart from when that kid from Clapton comes down and plays them. Uh, What else? We've got Partisan Dulwich. Uh, great turnout at Tombridge yeah, agreed really great uh, attendance surge again this season from 14-1500 mark to 1900-2000
0: yeah how many were the Enfield game? Uh,
1: it was 2249 I think for Amazing. a Ryman Premier League game yeah in the middle of winter absolutely crazy and then another 1900 against Geisley um also made a, a point which people perhaps haven't considered. Phil Wilson's heroic saves. He doesn't think he gets enough praise. Very good point. Phil made a, a number of great saves against Geisley and against Enfield and at Tombridge, actually. Yeah, great point. Um, fantastic work by Phil Wilson. And Erhan uh, update. Erhan uh, has won Peterborough's goal of the year, hasn't he? Yeah. Is it goal of the It's not goal of the season. It's only halfway through the season, so it must have been goal of the calendar year. Sneaker, um, yeah, yeah. as voted for by posh fans for his goal against Coventry, twenty-five yard strike into the roof of the net, um, and he's doing absolutely brilliantly at Peterborough at the moment. Man after match, man after match, man of the match awards. Every other Left, right, centre. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, you get these compilation videos of stars who play in La Liga or Serie A or whatever, and they're always set to like quite energetic techno music. And, <laughs> <go>! <laughs> and there's a rather good one of Erhan season so far that someone's put together. it has got um his passes, his assists, his goals, him celebrating with the players and the fans and um yeah it's just great to see sort of one of our own uh doing so well. And uh, he's being linked with the move to uh to Crystal Palace, so maybe he'll be back in South London sooner than we know.
1: That keeps coming up that link. Yeah. I think it probably is just He was a on previously. Do you think he's going to have Premier League? Ooh, that face. you like you're chewing
0: on bees. <laughs> I think he's one of the most technically gifted players in the Football League. You're avoiding the question. Uh I don't know. I I, I don't think the, the Premier League doesn't seem that physically strong at the moment. I think
1: Mesut Özil, yeah, is good enough.
0: Yeah, like Cazola, if you can manipulate Ozil. the ball well enough. Yeah, like these these players are not they're not strong. They've just got an incredibly good technique and an eye for a pass, eye for goal. Why not? If I were Palace, I'd have a punt on on Özil. What do you
1: reckon? Yeah, I think I think he's probably just about whether he'd get enough chances is another question. Mainly because if you're struggling, the first player you're going to get rid of is a, uh, sh- a small number ten mm. um, who who isn't going to clear a corner in the your fifth minute. Something like that. That's the only. That's the only issue, I suppose. Um, there's been some good coverage recently for Aspire, again linked to Erhan actually. There was a was it a double page spread in, in, in the, the Sun? The sun.
0: Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, talking about Ernest tumor's rise and interview with Gavin in there as well. Um, and an Aspire graduate was also signed for Norwich in this in this window. Oh uh, yeah, great D- DJ. DJ. Um Dailang Jaisimi, I think is how I'm
1: gonna pronounce yeah, it. Yeah,
0: that's about as good as we're gonna get on that one. Um he's someone actually who uh Junior Caddy really kinda of earmarked as the talent in the under eighteens at the moment. Mm. Um, and he did he played a few times the first team as well, didn't he? Oh, well, he scored that. 25 yard free
1: kick in a youth game which I managed to capture on my phone and then also someone in the stand captured it as well from directly behind so you could see it swing away from the keeper at the car wash end and he pinned it to his Twitter page and that kind of might seem like uh, not important but that kind of thing people would see it like a football agent would search him on Twitter and see that
0: Alex Neal has probably watched that video
1: probably signed him on the back of it <laughs> so, but being serious apparently he played in a couple of development games against some big clubs playing against West Ham, Chelsea maybe even playing against Man City and earned a contract off the back of that so if he's done well in those games you'd hope he's, he's going to make a really good go of it so, Yeah, um, yeah absolutely congratulations to DJ and, uh, and good luck um, the second Aspire player to move to a higher league team this year after Sean Mikulski went to Bristol, Bristol City, City at yeah. the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah. Um, from what I gather, he's been playing a bit for the development squad as well this season. So, yeah, good good luck to them both. Um, While on Aspire as well. Uh, Gavin Rose was on Talk Sport this week. Did you listen S- to it? I haven't, I haven't listened to it yet. Um, speaking about the academy, I'd like to think he's been honing his media presence on podcasts like ours. Um, so yeah, check that out if it's, uh, if it's doing the rounds.
1: It's good actually because he... I can't remember the names of the, the guys on TalkSport. I don't listen to it. But it's they, uh, Hawksby is one of them. Is it? Paul ha- Hawksby, yeah. Hawksby and someone else. They focused on the education side of the, the Aspire Academy. So if you're not going to your lessons, you don't play in the game. Mm. And you mentioned in the case of Paul McCullum a couple of years ago who... Wasn't pulling his weight in the classroom, and so they dropped him for a massive uh, game for the youth team. So it's it's that combination of the two things which I think is starting to make a real difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, if I remember correctly, the Aspire Training Complex is the grounds of an academy, an educational academy. Yeah. So you've got in Greenwich, I think. Yeah, yeah, or Robberie, is it maybe? Yeah, that neck of the woods. So you've got the classroom and the, the pitch. You know. uh, one other uh, big bit of news, which has
1: uh, come to our attention in the last couple of days. Um, Dulwich have set up a friendly game against FC Assyria. On the... When is it? There's been a bit of confusion about the date. It's the 2nd of March, which is a Wednesday. Previously, they've, they've had they've had a friendly game against Stonewall, which was on, on a Wednesday as well. So um, it might not be the first team, but still it'll probably be a strong team playing. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, the friendly is taking place to raise money for the Southwark Refugee Project and the British Red Cross Syria appeal. Um... All, and all the proceeds go to those two groups. Um, SCS Syria play in the Middlesex County League Premier Division. Um, Dulwich Hamlet Trust Chairman, thrice mentioned now tonight, Duncan Hart. Blimey. He'll love that, unfortunately. Provided, he provided the initial contact with Southwark Council to stage the game. After uh, Councillor Jasmine Ali approached him, I'm reading off this off the Facebook page, uh, Facebook event page. So I'm hoping it's true. I'm sure it is, or not true, accurate. Uh, so then details and uh, contacts are passed on to the Dulwich Hamlet Football Club Committee, and uh, please do spread the word. Put the date in your diary. Come down. I assume tickets are going to be standard price, so uh, ten pounds for entry for most people. It won't it? Won't be included in your season ticket. Um, but then again, all money goes to charity anyway. Um, and £4 for concessions. So do please come on down. That is the 2nd of March uh, kick-off. It's on a Wednesday. Kickoff is quarter to eight. Um, and there's a couple of other notes about FCS Syria, if you're interested. Set up in the late 1960s to represent the Assyrian, the Assyrian uh, Society of the UK in Ealing, West London. Um, they've challenged for both league and cup honours in local leagues since the... Uh, um, founding um, when you which, say challenge, suggests they've never won either that's a very good point it, yeah it says challenging so uh, uh, credit well credit Stu. yeah um, so yeah please do come on down uh, we're going to get involved with the promotion of it so we'll stick things all over Twitter all over Facebook all over Instagram we now have, we now have Instagram we do have Instagram we had that yeah. in our last yeah. episode um, at the moment the ratio of people we follow to people who follow us is 4-1 in our favour that's very good it's all about ratios it's It's all about ratio. we're doing pretty well Uh, so follow us on Instagram as well Um, if you do have Instagram search for The Hamlet we'll promote it via Instagram we'll promote it via Facebook Twitter whatever podcast before then please do come down Um, and I can't think of any other big news that we need to cover in this I would say brief. But it's not brief.
0: Roundup. Yeah, Can the the AOB is. Uh, yeah, let's look ahead to our next fixture this afternoon. Today's big game against East Thurrock. Uh, second v third. Massive fixture. Dalich Hamlet second, East Thurrock third. Uh, ben, you'll be making the the trip out to Essex later today. I will. What what, what are you expecting? I've never been to East Thurrock,
1: um, so it will be an experience, I'm sure. It can't be as bad as the away trip to Avely for the Greys games. That's yeah, quite. one of my least favorite grounds, that Greys ground. So it can't be as bad as that. So I'm looking forward to new ground. It's another tick, as a groundhopper would say, I suppose. Um, there should be quite a good crowd of people going. Uh, we take, I'd say, the least will probably take us a hundred. Um Yeah, there's a
0: good two hundred or so at the uh at the Tunbridge game, so at least. Yeah. Be. Uh, it's
1: it's a very easy trip for those of you who are considering it. Uh it's just a, a simple train from West Ham. Can't remember where it goes to, but you get a train from West Ham somewhere and then you have to get a very short taxi. So uh if that doesn't convince you to come nothing will, those directions. Um but the games are coming the the tough games are coming thick and fast at the moment. That
0: seems to be a tough run at the moment.
1: Really tough. I mean, we've lost that top spot as well. Looking at the, yeah, that's a good point to make. Hampton and Richmond won last Saturday. Um while we were playing in a trophy game it's Gaiety. Which means that the top of the table looks like this. Uh, in 4th place 48 points is Tombridge Angels. Two points in front of them in third is East Thurrock on 50 points. Dulwich are three points further up the road on 53 points, but have played a game more. Hampton and Richmond are two points clear with a game in hand. So there's what? From Tonbridge in fourth to Hampton and Richmond Borough in first, you've got seven points, which is actually bigger than it was a couple of weeks ago. I think there was five teams and four points between everyone. So it's kind of, it has kind of spread out a bit.
0: Yeah, it's starting to, isn't it?
1: But East Thurrock's form is something of a concern from a Dulwich point of view. (laughs) Maybe not a concern, but something to bear in mind. Their last... How many games have we got in the league here? Right, 24th of November, East Thurrock 4, Farnborough 1. 5th of December, East Thurrock 4, Lewis 1. Lewis doesn't count this season. Uh... 19th of December, Kingstonian won Easteric Force. So they won 4-1 three games in a row. They then beat Enfield 1-0 on Boxing Day. They then drew away at Graves on the 2nd of January. In the last three games, they won 3-1 at VCD, 2-1 at Tombridge, and they beat Burgess Hilltown 1-0 on Tuesday night. So that is some form. Look, they've won one two five of their last six games they've conceded what four goals they are on some form Um, so it's going to be a tough game and they've got uh, renowned morning striker I like calling them goal botherers or goalkeeper botherers instead of goal scorers Uh, I don't know why (laughs) Sam Higgins who's consistently at the top of the goal scoring charts and I assume he'll be playing tomorrow I haven't checked if he's injured or not but been seeing his name on the goalscoring sheets regularly again this season. Well, let's keep those sheets clean, shall we, Phil? Phil usually does. Delic's form has also been strong recently, as most of you probably know. We've been on a similar run in the league. We've won three and drawn two of the last five. Our last defeat in the league was the 5th of December, at home to Needham Market, where... I mean, I don't actually know the stats, but I'm pretty sure we had about 47 shots on goal <laughs> and lost 1-0. Um, but our previous game in the league, where, as we mentioned earlier, it was 2-0 against Enfield Town. Um, and then the Tombridge game, and on Boxing Day, we hammered Kingstonian 5-1. So both teams are in really good form. Can you remember the score last time we went to East Thurrock? That's a hell of a question, that is. Should we have
0: a look? Uh, I went to this game, so... Hugo Greenhouse, what's the score? <laughs> I want to say wasn't it the game where Harry scored on his comeback?
1: Yeah, because the previous game we beat Kingstonian 2-1 and Harry scored again. So I think you're right. I was in Hamburg with the Alton a lot but I think you're right. It was finished 2-2 25th of November 2014. What do you remember that day?
0: It's midweek. Um, it was quite cold. Good effort,
1: midweek, East
0: yeah, it's one of those ones where you know I got a lift from Michael's dad, didn't I? Yeah. Um, Textbook. It, it it battered right? sausage in Upminster beforehand, if I remember correctly.
1: How would you rate that out of ten?
0: I'm a big fan of that battered sausage in Upminster, and I'm actually disappointed I haven't had one yet this season. But
1: maybe I'll indulge tomorrow. Yeah, Today. I'm, I'm
0: rec- recommended. Um, yes, it's got a, it's got a sort of bus shelter stand on one of the goals, which I'd hope we would fill for this game. Um, and I think the other end is sort of a bit of grass behind it. So, um, you know, watch out for mud.
1: Apparently, it's spring like weather. Oh, fantastic. This afternoon.
0: Well, yeah, cycle up a few rays while you're there, mate. 14 degrees in January. Um, I've remembered some AOB. Oh. Um, our friends at Whitehawk are oh, yeah. undergoing another identity crisis. And their chairman is keen to rename them Brighton City, um, which is factually inaccurate for a start because there's no such thing as Brighton City. It's Brighton and Hove. And it's also trying to do this thing which a lot of small clubs are guilty of by tagging onto the identity of a bigger, more well known place to try and boost the publicity for that club but i've mean, been to whitehawk this season really enjoyable game really nice atmosphere down there made us feel really at home there's a massive sense of identity with the local area of whitehawk and it's just a good name as well the hawks it's
1: it really stands out well I'm- yeah. Before I started properly following non-league football, I kind of seen the name Whitehawk a couple of times and thought, there's a team called Whitehawk. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, I think it's just the W and then the K and it's the fact that it's, like it's got the word Hawk in it. It's just, it really does stand out. And when we spoke to the fans earlier in the season, they said that that idea was kind of mooted a couple of years ago but was left behind because nobody wanted it. And they, they kind of almost dismissed it and said, no, no, that's no, not happening. That was just a really silly idea. And then the next thing you know, this story's broken. And, you, and you're thinking, well, what, what are the owners... You know, they haven't considered the opinions of... What I'd say is probably the majority of the fans. And the fans um, have actually released a statement... Um, well it's an open letter they just called themselves the Whitehawk fans so I think we can assume that we probably spoke to a couple of people who were within this group this letter says while we understand that Whitehawk's owners want the best for the club we do not feel that changing the club's name to Brighton City FC is the right choice not only is the current name unique but the team's amazing FA Cup run this year offered a great amount of exposure for Whitehawk I, yeah, I watched it on TV twice yeah
0: um, and you got to see them in the flesh
1: mm, thrice in a season the club this is continued the club is not as obscure as it is being assumed and it's not difficult for people to find out the information they need online and this is interesting um, even if a person was to know the club was in Brighton they'd still have to find out where the ground is which would involve sifting through a load of Albion information
0: absolutely yeah like it I'd say it's even more important when a small city has two two clubs and the White opera are a team that are going to Going to keep rising. Keep that identity, like not not least for, you know, your travel guides and your Googles and your SEOs. It's it's a massive part of their identity, the biggest part of their identity, the name, the place. So yeah, it's um it's another sort of baffling move from football's like hierarchies to try and kind of do these things which seem more marketable like you know you could draw a comparison between the whole Tigers um name ch- like mooted name change by their owner um and the amount of uproar that you see from a club's own fans and also the wider like football community like I've seen a lot of fans from all sorts of different clubs like retweeting petitions about this this week um yeah it just goes to show like there's there's more to football than being marketable,
1: yeah absolutely um, this petition that has been released um the Whitehawk fans have released is gaining thousands of signatures um, and I'm not sure if it's still open. Let me just have a check with the wonders of the internet. I can go straight there. Uh, the pe- the petition is still open, 1,328 people have signed it, they need 172 more to reach their target of 1,500, so if you haven't signed it, sign it. Um, yeah, I mean, don't
0: just take our word for it, Like, do read up on this, because it's, uh, it's a serious issue.
1: Imagine if having, imagine having happen it happened to haven't Hamlet. Yeah. Like, you might think, oh, it's another rival team, but it's not. Because if it happened to Dulwich Hamlet, you feel exactly the same and you'd want everyone to get behind you. you want the non-league community to get behind you. Um, So, yeah, just search for Whitehawk FC petition and you'll find it. Um, And we wish Whitehawk fans the very best in their campaign to stop the name change. Um, Is there anything else before we...
0: No, I think that's it. I had that... I had that uh, cogs turning about a uh, light bulb moment. Yep, that White what But um, <clears throat> no, I think that's all. And um, good luck today to the boys.
1: I'll sing a few songs for you in your absence. Cheers, mate. Um, what do we used to do at the end? stuff about social media yes and Hold Fast yes are we still promoting Hold Fast because Jack McElroy has kind of moved away from it I think
0: okay but it's still out there and we still are part of the Hold Fast Network
1: yeah yeah I oh, will still include it yeah most definitely
0: Um. so for the Hamlet as part of the Hold Fast Network visit holdfastnetwork.com for more quality podcasts
1: and uh we do have various social media channels, which we mentioned. Just search for Forward the Hamlet on Twitter, on Facebook, and now on Instagram. Because we're really hip. Um, so yeah, please do get in touch with us if you've enjoyed the episode or you have ideas for future episodes. Something I did want to mention is we hardly get any comments after we release a podcast on whether the podcast was good, shit, average... Uh, we never get any comments so please people
0: do let... are listening
1: to it aren't they well the stats would suggest that we have listeners the analytics so please do get in touch and let us know what you think of it it doesn't have to be publicly you can give us a, a quick email at forthehamlet um, at gmail.com or come up to us at a game just let us know what you think definitely so please do we're, we're up for new ideas we do this for you uh, so let us know what you want us to do if you've got any, any ideas um, but yeah until next time I've been Ben Sibley I've been Hugo Greenharch We've been for the Hamlet And I will see you later on today In the wilds of Essex And uh, you'll hear from us again soon Bye bye
0: Bye It would be nice if all the teams Went south and played like swaggering dandies As the Hamlet do An absolute humdinger From about 25 yards Get in. Swaggering Dandies, an absolute half D. Swaggering Dandies, an absolute half.